because once you withdraw that money, you lose that contribution room forever. There is no waiting until next year to get it all back like a TFSA. No, you have lost that shit forever. So you don't want to mess with that. Honestly, I really think so. Yo, what is going on, baby? Nathan Kennedy, The New Money Podcast, episode 93. How y'all doing, man? Thank you so, so much for tuning in. As usual, my friends, ask me any questions you guys have on Instagram, as well as if you're listening to Apple Podcasts. I would love if you could leave a review there, preferably five stars. But hey, listen, if you got a beef or something to tell me with the show, love to hear that too. So any reviews would really appreciate it. Now, guys, you know, I'm always talking about investing in yourselves and in your future. And today, what we're going to be talking about are fantastic tax advantaged accounts that will get you there. And where should you open them up? You already know what it is. Wealthsimple, Wealthsimple Trade and Wealthsimple Invest are two of the best platforms that are out there. Wealthsimple Trade is a commission-free platform. You can buy stocks and ETFs straightforward to the point. Wealthsimple Invest is a robo-advisor where they do all the work for you. You just got to put the money in. Check out the show notes for links to either one. I highly, highly recommend it. So yes, today I want to do another episode on a TFSA versus an RSP. It's something that people think about a lot when they get started. Um, You know, I, I might even touch on a personal account. Now, you know, I think that's actually going to be the first thing I talk about is is why we should be leveraging these accounts before we, we you know, do a taxable brokerage account. And, and we'll get into that. You know what? I'll address that uh, first. Let's do that first. But today, yeah, I kind of just wanted to do a refreshed version of it. I think there's some stuff that I have evolved on and, and some stuff that I left out in the other one. So without further ado, let's just dive on into it, baby. Alrighty, so TFSA, RSP, they are two of the most common accounts that you would open with investing in Canada. Now, when you guys get started with any of your platforms, be it Wealth Simple Trade or you know Quest Trade or with your bank, if they've got a you know online self-directed brokerage, all this kind of stuff. If they have that, when you get started, you're gonna see a bunch of account options. And I really think that TFSA should be the first one. We'll get into why that is. And you'll see RSP and then you'll see, you know, things like a Lyra and, and a taxable brokerage and all kinds of stuff. And so, you know, for a lot of the baseline platforms, it's it's usually TFSA, RSP, personal, right? Now, a personal account, all that is, is just a standard investing account, but it's taxable, right? And so we're not going to use a taxable brokerage until we need to because we've got this beautiful thing called the TFSA and we've also got this awesome thing called an RSP as well. So we're going to leverage these two accounts. In my opinion, I think that's a great place to start. It's up to you to do your research and all that, but I think that starting with these two accounts are are, are likely where you should start. Okay, so firstly, let's start with the TFSA, baby. You already know what it is. It seems like a buzzword. It seems like something, you know, <laughs> that you hear in like a high school assembly once and then maybe twice in university and then, you know, somebody at work says it to you. And like <laughs> it's like, but you, you might not actually know what it is. So let's talk about what it is, okay? So a tax-free savings account is just like a checking or savings account or any kind of account. It's an account where you put money into, you put assets into, okay? But in this case, the assets won't just be cash, it'll be stocks, exchange traded funds, bonds, all kinds of fantastic stuff. So the gains that you make from any of these investments and savings in the account are all tax-free, i.e. they are all yours. So basically, this is a badass account. You just put your money in, you invest, you make money, no taxes at all. And the reason it's no taxes at all is because it's an after-tax account. What does that mean? Well, the money that you're putting into the account 
has already been taxed, right? Because you, you know, you got your taxes deducted off your paycheck or it's been taxed in some other way. So it's after tax income. So it's not going to get taxed again. When we get into the RSP, we're going to talk about how it's a pre-tax investment because you get a tax break off your contributions and then you're going to have to pay tax later on. So tax-free savings account here, RRSP is going to be a tax-deferred account. You are going to have to pay taxes at a later time, uh, but you do get a tax deduction for the year that you contribute. So staying with TFSAs, I mean, this, this account's awesome. And you know, you should just, I think you should just max this shit out before you even think about an RRSP, unless you know, you're really you know, growing your income and, and, um, you know, you're really, you know, there's, there's huge tax implications. Um, you know, that, that would, that would prompt me to think, okay, maybe you should think about an RSP a little bit, uh, earlier than, than, uh, traditionally. Right. But it, for most people start with the TFSA. I really, I really believe that. And, and again, my opinion, but it's, you know, tax free savings account, tax free investing account, basically. And you're just putting money in gains are all tax free. Now there's rules around it. So what are these rules we speak of? Well, you know, the government wouldn't be that sweet on this, right? It's not a willy nilly account. So TFSAs do have this thing called a contribution limit on them. And the amount that you get added on to your contribution room, it varies year to year. So what, what does that all mean? Okay. So as soon as you turn 18, you're eligible for the TFSA allotment that year. So let's say it's 6,000. I think, it, I believe it was $6,000 for 2021. So let's say you turn 18 years old in 2021, you get $6,000 right there. Now, every year after you turn 18, you get an additional five to six to $7,000, depending on what the government, you know, uh, deems to be the contribution addition for that year. So, so you know, one year is $10,000, but like recently it's been around like five to $6,000. So every year you're able to contribute five or $6,000 more to room. Now let's say you're 24. You probably have around, you know, 35 to $40,000 worth of room that you've been building up without even knowing to, because the thing is with contribution room, it's getting built whether you're using the TFSA or not. It's strictly based on your age and your residency. Are you from Canada? Are you 24? Great. You have over 35 to $40,000 worth of room. I, I don't quote me on that exact amount, but it, it should be around there because I'm 24 and that's, that's the max that I have. <laughs> okay. Um, and so, so contribution room, contribution limit, these are really used interchangeably. Really what it's getting at is, okay, how old are you? What's the maximum amount of room that you have in your TFSA, which enters calculators that we'll talk about later on to how to find that out. How much have you put in already? And then you basically figure out your room from there. If you've never touched it before, if you've never opened a TFSA or contributed to a TFSA before, then you it's a pretty straightforward calculation. If you have, then you can check your My Account on CRA to figure out your contribution room. But really, it's just the amount of space you have, how much money you can put in, and how much you know space has built up over time based on your age. So you can actually withdraw money as freely as you'd like from a TFSA and you don't actually lose that room. You can still, you know, you don't, you don't lose contribution room from withdrawals. It's not like an RSP. You don't lose the room when you withdraw, but if you withdraw from your TFSA, you lose that specific amount of room until the next year. So you can't contribute the amount that you put in until next year. So what does that mean? Okay, so let's just say you turned 18 and you get $6,000 worth of, you know, you turned 18 in January, 2021, you got $6,000 worth of contribution room this year. Pretty dope, right? Let's say you put in $6,000, right? Let's say, you know, in February, you just have like savings, you put $6,000 in, and you know, you keep it there for a few months or whatever, you invest, whatever. And then let's say you take $6,000 out. So now you still have $6,000 to contribute, right? Like because you, you put it in and you took it out. So you still, you still got that room, right? No, you don't. 
at least for this year. You do, <laughs> like you can, you can, you can recontribute next year, right? You don't actually lose the room, but you do have to wait until next year for it to then be added to whatever the contribution room for the 2022 will be. So basically, you know, let's say you get $6,000 now, you put in $6,000, you take it out. You've already contributed $6,000, the action's done. You gotta wait until next year to get that $6,000 back plus whatever additional amount you get with the 2022. So keep that in mind. And that's something that actually I found out uh, within the year. I didn't actually think there was any parameters uh, around um, um, withdrawals and things like that. Because again, I, like I, I'm not even close. I'm kind of getting close, but not really to my contribution room and contribution limit. And I didn't actually know you had to wait until the next year because I've never been near the you know, max, I've never really cared about it. So, you know, really interesting. And it, it, it's super important for, you know, 18 and 19 year olds to know that, right? Because it's very feasible for them to over contribute. And we'll get into what happens when you over contribute, which, you know, it's not great, but it's not, you're not going to jail or anything, right? It's, it's a good, you know, it means you're, it means you're over ambitious, right? More and more often than not. So basically, if you wanted to check your contribution room, you could, you know, A, you could just look it up. You can do the math if you've never contributed before. You could also go on your CRA My account. If you don't have one, go sign up for it. It's a fantastic account for your taxes to look at all your tax information, T4s, and fantastic stuff like your RSP deduction limit, your TFSA contribution room, all kinds of fantastic stuff. Go create a My CRA account. Canadian Revenue Agency account to view your actual contribution room and just calculate how much you know room you have and, and have that in mind when you're opening a TFSA and you're starting to contribute to it. So basically guys, a TFSA is essentially an investment account where you can buy stocks, ETFs and bonds and you've, you know, you've already accumulated a ton of room without even knowing it probably. Uh, and I think it's it's one of the first accounts you should use because you know ideally you should max that out. You, you know you should then max the RSP out and, and just you know you, if you can do those two things, you're in a really good spot. So that's pretty much all you need to know about TFSA. Keep your contribution room in line. Understand the rules. You know if you contribute your max, you, you, you don't lose the room, but you gotta wait until next year to re-contribute that specific amount. So your withdrawals don't impact how much you can contribute to the TFSA. So what that means is, let's say you put in 10 grand in 2020, it turned into 100 grand, you pull out the 100 grand, the 100 grand doesn't inflate your contribution room upward. So like, let's say you pull out the 100 grand, you can't just put that 100 grand back in because you'd be way over contributing because it doesn't, again, the withdrawals doesn't impact the contribution room. You're subject to a, a specific amount that you can put into the account, right? And so if you withdraw, it, it doesn't matter, but all they care about is your contribution room, your contribution limit. So just keep a keen eye on that and use some of the stuff we talked about to figure out what yours is. Okay, so let's switch gears into an RSP. So an RSP stands for a Registered Retirement Savings Plan. It too is a government-sponsored retirement plan with significant tax benefits, but it works a little bit different than a TFSA. So an RSP is what's called a tax-advantaged account, meaning that the government created them specifically to provide tax breaks to those who invest money in an RSP as a way to motivate them to put money away for the retirement. So basically, they just wanted to give people you know, a fat 
tax break to be like, hey, listen, if you, if you, if you, it's so crazy. If you invest for yourself, if you take care of yourself, we'll take care of you. It's, it's kind of a double win, right? So pretty dope. Like I was saying before, instead of your earnings being tax free, as is the case with TFSA, any money you contribute to an RSP will be exempt from income taxes that year you make the deposit and will only be taxed years down the line when you withdraw it. RSPs are therefore an effective way to cut down on a current year's tax bill. So you get a nice tax deduction. It's fantastic. And uh, this year, and that that effectively makes it pre-tax income. Pretty dope. And then it gets taxed later on. So, you know, it's it's, you know, ideally, you know, you want to be taxed at a lower rate when you're in your retirement and a higher rate now. But but you know, if you're trying to you know, retire with millions like we you were trying to do on this show, you know, that's that's gonna be a different discussion. But you know, like Basically, it's a, it's a pretty dope account and you should, you should use it as best as you can. With a TFSA, you don't get a tax deduction like I said earlier, right? It's gonna be an after-tax investment vehicle. So you don't get taxed at all because it's already been taxed. Now, here's the thing. You can actually use the tax deduction now for your RSP or in future when you have higher marginal rate, which is what some students do. So RSPs also have contribution limits, which refer to the maximum amount a taxpayer is allowed to deposit into an RSP annually. The contribution limit of your RSP starts accumulating from the time you start earning income and it is unique to you. It's not like the TFSA where it's the same for everybody. This is unique to you and how much you earn right? And, and when you start filing taxes. So there's actually not in each of them in RSPs, believe it or not. It's when you first file your taxes, that's when you can start building room. So you can be in your, in your teens and have an RSP and you can actually start contributing to it, right? There's some things you need to be aware of if you're doing it, you know, as a, as a minor, but pretty cool, pretty interesting stuff. So you must file taxes to start building this room. And this is one of the very, very, very awesome benefits that I talk about and why you need to file your taxes no matter what <laughs> when you're younger, right? It doesn't matter if you haven't made money. There's no such thing as not making enough to file. File your taxes, you get benefits like having, you know, uh, RSP contribution room built up, right? So because you generate RSP contribution room when you have earned income, you need to have filed your taxes to the year prior again, because this is, you know, this what I just said, and you can open an RSP in the following year, the first year you file a return. So there's actually no age limit. Fantastic, right? So you will end up being able to contribute up to 18% of your earned income from the prior year to a max of $27,230 for 2020. Okay, so unused room carries forward forever. And again, I think you should be, <laughs> I think you should be, uh, you know, using your TFSA first and foremost, but if you are gonna use your RSP, this, so this is how it works. So basically, it, you, you would get 18% of your earned income. So if you made 10 grand, you would have $18 worth of contribution room to use for that year. So pretty dope. Now your deduction limit and your contribution limit are different and we're gonna kinda talk about what those two things are. So a deduction limit is the limit on how much someone can deduct from their taxes in a given year from their for your RSP contribution room. So, you know, it's it's a little bit tricky here to, be, between deduction limit and contribution limit, but really all you need to know, contribution limit is the sum of how much room you have available for your RSP and your deduction limit is your available room plus any unused contribution room that you've deferred until the current tax year. So if you didn't take a tax break in, in, a, in a few years prior and you and you moved it forward, that's what your deduction limit will be. It, it will be that plus whatever available contribution room you have. If that's confusing, don't worry about it. There's, there's awesome stuff online. I'll link some stuff as well so you can read 
through it more thoroughly, but it is a little bit difficult. But most of the time, if you're not, you know, deferring your tax deduction for your RSP, uh, your, your contribution room and your deduction limit are the same. So with your RSP, unlike a TFSA, you can't willy nilly withdraw money from it, right? I mean, I don't think you should ever really withdraw money from your investment accounts. I only add to a baby buy and hold, but you know, I understand with the savings plan with TFSA, maybe it's a bit more short term, whatever. And, and you know, again, advantage to TFSA because we've got that flexibility. But in my humble opinion, there's almost never a reason why you should be touching your RSP. You should just be adding to it unless you're devising a strategy to retire early or retire at a more traditional age and you, and you have a plan, you know, a tax advisor, you've got everything, you're well informed on what you're doing things like that. I really don't think touching an RSP is, is, a, is a good idea. And there's a, there's a number of reasons for that. Well, what are those reasons? Well, if you withdraw early, you will get dinged with taxes. That's the first thing. So if you withdraw early, you know, from $5,000 or under, the withholding tax rate is 10% right off the top. If you withdraw between $5,000 and $15,000, the tax rate is going to be 20%. And anything more than $15,000, it's going to be 30% tax. So it's pretty pretty fat man it's like a it's a good amount of money right early withdrawal also means that you will mess up your contribution room because once you withdraw that money you lose that contribution room forever there is no waiting until next year to get it all back like a tfsa no you have lost that shit forever so you don't want to mess with that honestly like, I, I really think so but here's the biggest thing in my opinion that is is is, is the biggest no-no is is because you're not gonna pay yourself back it's because the opportunity cost of that money, hundreds of thousand dollars worth of opportunity you're walking away from, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of compounding in a lot of cases, people fucking up with their RSPs and things like that. Like, like just, just, that is like just the sacred, man. Just don't, don't touch that if you, if you, if you don't need to. I really, I really think it's a good idea to just, you know, try to find, do everything to touch everything but your RSP. I really think just letting it be, unless you're planning on retiring early or you're like literally like trying to devise a withdrawal strategy like long term and, and, and you've, and you figured it out some way, you know, I, I, I don't really know how, uh, you know, I, I haven't looked at withdrawal strategies, early withdrawal strategies with an RSP. So I'm not going to sit here and, and pontificate on that. I don't even know if it exists. It, I'm sure it does. But, you know, if you're just trying to like touch it to do something, just leave it alone, man. And now, you know, I definitely understand that there's things, you know, like the home buyers plan, you know, and, and, and the lifelong learners plan where you can, you know, withdraw money from it and you can actually not get taxed on it you just have to you're basically taking a loan from yourself which always you know isn't isn't, isn't always the best thing in the world but quickly i'll touch on what those are so the home buyers plan is a program that allows you to withdraw from your registered retirement savings plan your rsp to buy or build a qualifying home for yourself or a related person with a disability so you can basically take a loan for yourself and pay it back over a 15 year period so you have up to 15 years to repay back that uh, home buyer's plan, you know, but you can, you, there's no penalty on, on paying it back early. You can pay it back earlier, but typically your payment period starts the second year after the year when you first withdrew the funds from the RSP for the home buyer's plan. And with all of this, you know, when, when it comes to home buyer's plan, I really talk it through with a, a mortgage specialist or a, a mortgage broker that is, is well-versed in this or, you know, an, an accountant or somebody who really knows these laws really well because they're, they're relatively new and I'm sure there's a ton of nuance around them. I'm not too familiar with them. I'm just kind of high level walking you through it. Don't even think it's a great idea unless there's some like higher level scheme um, that you really thought through and, and you're just, you know, 
and you've got a plan for this kind of stuff. But yeah, your repayment plan, you got 15 years, you know, typically every year that you've taken it out, you have to pay back a minimum of one fifteenth, you know, one year's worth of, of how much you borrowed uh, to, to kind of cover your bases and, and pay yourself back, right? To not, to not get taxed or anything. The same thing with the lifelong learner's plan, only you get 10 years to pay this back. And I think it's up to $10,000 you can withdraw with the home buyer's plan. It's up to $25,000. So again, you know, ways that you can access it tax-free just to, just to kind of help folks out in Canada. I really don't think it's the best thing. I think you should just kind of keep, keep it, you know, keep it where it is and let it compound and grow and, and try to grind or be patient and find other ways to do whatever you're trying to do. You know, I understand, you know, people's different circumstances, things like that, but I really think touching our RSP, it's, it's, there's very, very few reasons to do and a lot of reasons not to. So essentially an RSP is an investing account more than it is a savings account. You're going to pay taxes, but way down the line and you can get a healthy tax deduction from your contributions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's exactly what it is. So both of these guys are great accounts to shelter your investments from the tax man. So Nate, why do you say we should most likely start out with the TFSA? Well, let's talk about it and compare the two accounts. So TFSA, RSP, we know what's good, right? So these are good accounts that will come and, and help us grow our dollars, grow, 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 grow. And, and, and that's, you know, there's nothing better. But which one's better for you? Generally speaking, it depends on your tax rate and you should really have both. And But the general rule of thumb from a tax perspective is as follows. So if your average tax rate in retirement will be lower than it is now, an RSP is better. If your average tax rate in retirement is gonna be higher than it is now, a TFSA is better. So you remember how I was saying one's post-tax uh, and one's pre-tax, like one's after-tax, one's pre-tax, right? So let's let's talk about how that plays out. So let's say you have $5,000 in income before tax that you are considering putting into an RRSP or a TFSA. Your current tax rate is 30%. You will invest that money for five years and you'll get 10% a year in returns. So let's assume your tax rate when you withdraw the money will also be 30%. So it's an even tax rate when you start, when you end, right? Let's just assume, you know, it's constant, right? If you put the money in an RSP, you can get a tax deduction, thus effectively not paying tax on that income. So therefore you can invest the entire $5,000. So let's just assume that you're investing whatever amount that you get back on taxes that year that you're putting in. So it's a full $5,000. So in five years, that investment will go to $8,052.55. And then when you withdraw it, you'll pay a 30% tax and you'll be left with $5,636.76. So let's say you put the money in a TFSA instead of that RSP. So it's money that's gonna be taxed. You don't get a tax break. Therefore, you can only invest the $3,500, assuming that you've already been taxed 30%. In five years, that investment will grow to that $5,636.79. So you don't have to pay any tax on that money. You just get to take it out. So you get $5,636.79. Now, does that sound similar? It's because it's the exact same number as you got with your RSP. So it's pretty much the exact same place. And you end up in the same spot because the tax rate in the start is the same as the tax rate in the end. So what really happens here is it depends on your tax rate. So if you assume that you're gonna have a much higher tax rate later on, then you're gonna wanna take the tax break, pay taxes now essentially, so you don't have to pay the higher rate later, right? And with an RSP, you know, if you're assuming you're gonna have a lower tax rate later, then you wanna take the tax break now and then pay taxes later at a lower rate. Now you can't predict this and uh, people think they can, but they can't. So that's why I generally say that it's safe to assume that tax rates will probably increase steadily over time. TFSAs are much easier. The withdrawal rules are, are much more simple. There's, there's less, 
you know, friction around them. You can access the money. It's just, it's just, it's pretty dope, pretty straightforward. And I think that's where most people should start. But an RSP is also fantastic as well. And I really think, you know, leveraging both, learning about both is 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 the right move and, and, and figuring out what's best for you is always the right move. And like we said earlier, you can defer that tax deduction on that RSP to a later year when you have high ass tax brackets. Let's make, uh, you know, let's assume you're making into the six figures, you're balling. You know, you can use that later on because that deduction is going to be worth more during that time than it is right now at a lower tax rate. Right. So all of this is kind of getting into tax strategy. But really, you know, just just like I think it, it makes your life easier to start with something like a TFSA. And then and then you can get into the higher level strategy, you know, tax efficiencies, things like that as you as you grow your income and things like that. So with your RSP, you know, it's really important to keep this contribution room in mind. Again, you can find it on your MyCRA account and it can really help inform you. The excess amount you contribute to your TFSA as well as your RSP is going to be subject to a 1% per month penalty tax if that's the case. So if you have over contributed by $2,000 in a given year, you would be paying a penalty of $20 a month as long as the excess amount is still in your account for your TFSA. So we just switched to TFSA quickly just to touch on it. But yes, you want to you wanna take that out of your account as quickly as you can, you know, get in contact with the CRA, say, hey, listen, my bad, whatever, pay the fine, and then off you go. So you're fine. But it is going to be a 1% per month penalty tax on whatever excess contribution is. So over 2000 if it's $2,000, then you're getting, you know, 20 bucks a month you're paying, you know, better get the hell out of that, right? So with an RSP, it's the same contribution penalty, 1% per month penalty tax, but you can over contribute by $2,000 without penalty. So there's a buffer. There's a buffer, which I would not suggest literally using, but you're not going to get penalized if you if you over contribute by you know $2,000 or under. That $2,000 that you contribute to though, that extra $2,000, you can't deduct that off your taxes. You can't like, they're not going to, they're going to, they'll give you a buffer, but they're not going to be like, you know, right off your taxes because you, you know, fucking over contributed. Right. So, uh, you know, sneaky, but you know, I'm sure some people have tried that and, and no, that's not how it works. So unlike an RSP where individuals are given a $2,000 grace amount, any amount that you over contribute over the limit will be subject to penalties for a TFSA. Uh, there's no there's no buffer there. So be sure to watch out how much you're contributing every year as there is no wiggle room. Also, a little caveat here, and it's pretty high level, so don't worry too much about it. You know, you can kind of just fucking skip through this if you want. Uh, but if you are planning on buying U.S. stocks or ETFs, which are some of the best in the world, um, any dividends on those stocks or ETFs that pay out in a TFSA will be subject to a 15% withholding tax because the United States doesn't actually recognize a TFSA as a retirement account. But it does recognize an RSP as a retirement account, so there's no withholding tax there. So does this mean you shouldn't use your TFSA for American stocks? No, not at all. And like, you know, it's a very small price to pay for likely much better performing investments. And again, like, you know, it's it's levied against the dividends that are paid out. Right. So if it's like a four percent dividend, you're getting like three point seven percent or something like that. Right. It's, it's not a huge deal. Right. And and I think, you know, if, if you can get your dividend paying stocks in your RSP, then do that. But don't be afraid to do that in a TFSA as well. Again, guys, don't get thrown off by this. I know it might sound confusing. Uh, it's, again, it's a smaller consideration just for some of the more savvy dividend investors that might listen to this show. 
And again, RSPs are dope, you know, and, and they really give you the edge when you invest the tax return that you get instead of fucking blowing it. So invest that tax return that you get, if you get some money back, put it away. I got a nice big tax return coming and that shit is going right into my investment account. So supercharge your investments, my friends. Again, guys, both are phenomenal in helping you reach where you would like to financially and you should max out both. But if that's not feasible for you, you know, of course, you know, it's all good. Uh, just keep working, keep grinding and trying to get to where you need to be. And I promise you guys will be in such a good spot. The last thing I wanted to say here and I apologize for the audio cutoff. I'm <laughs> recording this on my phone because uh, I'm out right now and I need to get this episode out. But I didn't mention this, but with your RSP, if your work offers you matching, like if you put in one dollar, they'll match you for every dollar you, you you know you put in, they offer you like thirty cents. You always take that one hundred percent. That always takes precedence over TFSA RSP. Like you always take that because that's free money. So if your work offers that, definitely max that out up to the match, uh, and then I would use the TFSA, and then I would you know use an external RSP after that personally, but. Just wanted to add that in quickly. I appreciate it, guys. So there you have it, my friends. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I really, really, like, I love talking about this stuff. A little bit, you know, it could have been a little bit dry, you know. It could have been a little bit dry of an episode, but uh, I appreciate you guys for sticking with me to the end. I think there's, there's a lot that we went over. But really, TFSA's RSPs, really, really dope. Fantastic accounts. Be sure of your contribution limits, uh, your deduction limits. Your, your parameters around these accounts, right? Your, you know, know the implications, know the consequences of investing in these accounts. Uh, try to never withdraw from your RSP if you can afford to. Really, I really don't think you should. In my opinion, humble opinion, not financial advice, humble opinion, I don't think you should do it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's up to you. And uh, I think TFSA's RSP's fantastic uh, accounts overall. Uh, which one you should use really comes down to your tax situation, brackets, things like that, your goals, horizon, all that kind of jazz. But tailor your strategy for what you're looking to get out of the accounts uh, and nothing beats maxing them both out if you can. And, you know, I say it all the time, but just start now, right? Just start now. You don't know which one. And just start the TFSA, go from there. If I sound repetitive, it's on purpose. <laughs> okay. Um, no new money mailbag question this week. Uh, you know, I, I hope you guys didn't miss me too much. You know, we on that one week, one episode a week vibe, you know, and, and uh, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really refreshed. And, and we got some great stuff coming to you guys. But thank you guys so, so much for tuning in. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. But for now, I'm out this mother. Peace.